0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 8, please. Romans, chapter number 8, and we uh, we should be concluding this chapter today. Uh, this is such an incredible chapter. The past, the verses that we're going to read this morning are verses that I believe every child of God should be familiar with. Uh, I would, I would encourage you. Obviously, in addition, number one, it's important to read your Bible daily. Um, and I, when I say that, I want to encourage you as well uh, in regards to uh, even uh, listening to your Bible. Many of us have, uh, you know, uh, you can get an app on your phone and you can listen. Listen to the Bible as you're on your way to work or school or uh, whatever you may be doing and uh, you know but you can read it you can listen to it there's just so many avenues to where we can get God's word into our hearts and, and our faith can be built uh, listen God spoke out and his with his word he spoke and he, he spoke and took nothing and made everything uh, God's word is that kind of powerful so let introduce God's word into your life on a daily basis I'm telling you you'll see God begin to work a difference in your life. But that being said, I hope you are in the Word every day. But if you are not extremely familiar with this passage, if I say, for instance, turn to Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 35 or along in that area, and something doesn't come to your mind, oh yeah, that's the passage that's about more than conquerors and and what shall separate us or who shall separate us from the love of Christ, man, get familiar with it. I'd I'd encourage you to read it every day for a couple of weeks. Uh, I really would. Uh, This is just such an incredible the truths of this chapter, uh, something that we need to uh, grasp and get a hold of. So in Romans chapter number 8, I want to be- begin reading, if you would please, in, uh, let's see, let's just begin here in verse number 28. Uh, we've preached through these verses already, but I just would like to start here and read through verse 39. The Bible says, and we know, And beloved, I want you to understand that these things is going back to what he's been covering over the last uh, couple of chapters here. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And of course, these are the verses that we preached last week. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how I pray, dear God, that you'll meet with us, God, in a special way over the next uh, few minutes. As we look into this, these marvelous truths, dear God, that you have shown us, and I pray that you'll help your people to get a hold of these truths, dear Lord. Uh, God, that they can change the way we see, change the way we live, God, uh, to, to help us to be more effective for you, Lord, to be able to reach more souls for you, Lord, to be able to uh, disciple more people, to influence more people for the cause of Christ. Uh, Lord, just work these truths, and if there's anybody here that's not saved by the grace of God, how I pray that the sweet spirit of God would convict them, dear Lord God, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, uh, and we'll thank you for what you do, Lord for it 's in Jesus' name. I pray, amen. well, I want to preach on this thought today: more than conquerors, more than conquerors and that 's what that 's what this passage is leading up to, and what I really want to emphasize uh, i 've I've given this little introduction throughout Romans chapter number 8. And it talks about the the power, the freedom that we have. It starts off in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It talks about the fact that there's no condemnation. We share the righteousness of God therefore the law cannot claim us. And so there is no condemnation to them who know Christ as Savior. What a blessing. Uh, there is no obligation. In other words, we are not obligated to uh, give in to the sins of the flesh and, and the temptations of the world. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God who enables us to overcome the flesh, Over overcome the the evil desires of our old nature that we still have. There's no frustration because we share in the glory of God. In other words, uh, the frustration of the, of the things that we face, the things that he mentions here, those are frustrating. And I understand we do get frustrated, but we don't have to be frustrated because we can trust that all things are working together for good. Not that all things are good, but that all things are working together for uh, good. And of course, we've covered that uh, a little bit. Uh, and by the way, I want to say about a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are, that are somewhat easy preaching, but, but hard living. Did you know that? Yeah. And, uh, and I want people to know when I'm trying to say this is a simple truth, I'm saying the understanding, the presenting of this truth is easy. The application of these truths uh, are often challenging in our lives. And I think uh, you probably understand that. Uh, but there's no separation. And that's, that's where we're at today. There's no separation because we experience the love of Christ. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Folks, one of the most beloved truths that we have, one of the most beloved promises that we have is God's people is not only, of course, the promise of salvation uh, to all who have trusted Him, who have called on His name. And by the way, if you're not saved, hallelujah, I'm glad there's the promise that He'll save whosoever will Amen. come. Amen. What a wonderful promise uh, but uh, but 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 after that here's one of the great promises and it's that of security yes. It's known as the security of the believer. Folks, in other words, what is it that could separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, Do you ever feel separated from the love of Christ? Uh, I do. I have. Why? Because of how sorry and low down perhaps I've been. And so I feel like I'm separated. But you know what? That doesn't separate me from His love. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing the world can do. There's nothing all of hell can do to separate me from the love of Christ. And so the security of the believer. In other words, once you're truly separated Saved by the grace of God. I'm glad you're saved forever. Amen. And I believe that's what Jesus meant when he said that you will have everlasting life. And there's some people that trip over some of these Bible words, but everlasting is a, is, is a pretty simple one there in the New Testament. And so the security of the believer. We do not have to fear the past. We do not have to fear the past. I want to tell you something about the past. There's things we ought to remember lessons from the past. we ought to remember uh, the blessings from the past, but I tell you something it's the devil that likes to dig and drudge up the past all the time right. uh, if 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 you are bemoaning and mourning over sins of the past, I want you to know you and the devil are having a little party. Yeah. Uh, because if you if you're saved by God's grace and you've confessed those sins to the Lord, guess what? Those sins have been uh, taken away already anyway. But I'm saying th- those things. That's not what God works, in. He doesn't work in the past. Yeah. I've always reminding you of how you know how some people, some married couples, can identify with this. Hopefully not, but I'm afraid that some can. You know, there's the old saying about burying the hatchet. But some people bury the hatchet, but they leave the handle out just so they can pull it out whenever they need it, right? Um, But that's not the way God does. God does not remind us of our past in that way. We do not need to fear the past. Praise God, we do not need to fear the present. We do not need to fear the present because God's in control. We do not need to fear the future because He's already there. He's already there. We do not have to fear uh, the future. Uh, We are secure in the love of Christ. And I make no apologies for preaching about the power of the love of Christ. You know why? Because I'm just simply preaching the Word of God. The power of the love of Christ. The power of God's holy love. And so uh, th- th- there's no separation, and there's five arguments that, pr- that are presented in ver- beginning in verse number 31, and I'm not going to deal with all these because we've preached some of these uh, already throughout the course of this series, but in verse 31, the Bible lets us know that God is for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? As we found out last week, the, the, the Satan's name actually means adversary, Amen. adversary, so there is someone against us. But in the big scheme of things, it's kind of like, who? God's for me? Who can be against us? Amen? And so, God is for me. And so that's one of the arguments for the security, the fact that there can be no separation from God. And we see this through the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in this chapter, all the work that they've done for us. Folks, we need to, by the grace of God, to enter each new day realizing that God is for us. Have you ever perhaps lamented like Jacob laments in Genesis 42 verse 36 when he says, all these things are against me? You ever feel like that? If not, hold on. There will be times in your life when you do feel like that. All these things are against me. But folks, we need to wake up every single day realizing that God loves me, God is for me, uh, and as we saw, and and, and I'll get there in just a second about the fact that He died for us, but how much He cares for us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So God's thoughts towards us are thoughts of peace. So God's for us. We preached about that last week. But then verse 32, we find out that Christ died for us. How how can we be sure there's no separation? between you as God's child and the Lord. uh, We know because God is for us. We also know, verse 32, that, that Christ died for us. Notice this. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? See, the argument that's presented here is presented from lesser to greater. In other words, God says this. And, I, and I'll read the verse again. Uh, there again, verse thirty-two. Watch out for this. I mean, uh, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. It reminds me of Romans chapter number five, verse eight, where the Bible says that God, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, sinners. Christ died for us. Yeah. So Jesus died for us when we were in, when, when we were not looking for him. In the worst sin possible, and you look at, and we talk about worse sin. I know sin is awful, period. I don't care how much we dress it up and try to make it look good. Sin is sin. And if it's a sin against God, it's still wrong and it's still awful. But I'm just saying, we, many, many of you, many of us perhaps were cussing God. Maybe our lives were a total blasphemous to God. We were in rebellion to God. Maybe we mocked God, mocked the things of God. I mean, whatever lives that, that you live, whatever lives that people are living today, If you can think of the worst possible way that somebody's living today or the worst possible story that you can imagine of, of somebody's sin and degradation, I want you to understand something. Jesus died for that person. Jesus carried that person's sins. Okay? And so the point that He's trying to make here, He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. So He's saying, okay, understand something. I carried those sins. I died for you. If I, if I died for you then, when you cared nothing about me, when you had no interest in me, if I died for you then, will I not much more take care of you now that you're my child? And this is an important thing that we must understand. I'm telling you, it's a principle that's gotta be in our lives is understanding the love of God. There there's a lot that I don't understand, but if I can always understand, and it's it's one of the things that I try to always remind myself, I, I may not understand what in the world's going on, but there's one thing I can know. I know God loves me. Do you know that God loves you? How do you know? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. He loves you that much. But it says, basically, if, if while we were sinners, how much more now that we're His children? He argues from the lesser to the greater. He does the same thing. He, says, he does the same thing in Matthew 6. He says, look, I take care of the birds. I clothe the fields. How much more am I going to take care of you? I didn't die for the birds. I didn't die for the fields. Folks, I died for you, he says. And so he's arguing from the lesser to the greater. So we know he's for us. We know we have security. We know we cannot be separated from him. Uh, We know that we're ultimately more than conquerors because Christ died for us. Now, the facts that we've been preaching about, the facts that I'm trying to share with you today, the facts and the truth of God's Word is given to help strengthen our spiritual vision that we may see to strengthen our spiritual vision that we may see see the problem is just like the apostle paul said in i believe it's in second corinthians chapter number 5 but he says while we look Not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Jesus said, He said. He talked about those that had ears, uh, but they couldn't hear. Eyes, but they couldn't see. And what He's saying, that's how we are, but we need to get into God's Word and say, this is what truth is. God's Word is truth. And if He says it, and so it begins to change the way we see things. But I'm telling you, if it's going to change the way we see things, a lot of times one of the things that we've got to do is change the direction in which we are looking. Change the direction which we're looking. Some of us, we're always looking in the wrong direction. And by the way, isn't it interesting that the Lord calls a sheep? One of the things that I know about uh, sheep and heard about sheep is that it's not uncommon. One of the things that a shepherd would keep uh, in their bag or whatever is they would keep uh, some balm or salve to put on the sheep's head. Because since the sheep's always going around like this, it's kind of bad to bump into stuff and run into stuff. It's always looking down. Uh, And you know what? If we're not careful as God's people, that's how we can be. We get our eyes in the wrong direction. And we need to learn to do what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So if some of us would just look, we could see. But sometimes we don't want to look. We don't want to turn our eyes away from what we're looking at. And so Christ died for us. See, He wants to. He wants us to see our purpose. He wants to look and and for us to have the right perception. Verse thirty three says, "He justified us. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth," which means that God has declared us righteous. See, our experience changes from day to day. Our experience changes from day to day. But our, our sanctification may change from day to day. But our justification never changes. Justification means that God has declared us righteous in Christ. And that has never, and it will never change. So we've been justified, and then also He intercedes for us. Verse thirty-four, the Bible says, "Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand, uh, right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us." Folks, that's such a powerful principle. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four that we have we have not an high priest which can't be touched with the filling of our infirmities. But He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He's touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. Our pains. Uh, all of these things. He's touched. He literally feels the pain. Listen, you've got a God that loves you, what I'm trying to tell you. You've got an intercessor. Jesus intercedes. And I'm telling you, if you've got a broken heart, I promise you something, God's got a broken heart for you today. And I tell you, that's a powerful principle to me. It's good for me to know and understand Maybe not even fully understand, but it's good for me to know that He cares for me. And the Bible says in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Folks, there's a great uh, place in the Word of God to where, uh, of course, uh, Simon Peter had sinned. He was forgiven and restored to fellowship, but Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon... He said, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. (coughs) He said, but I've prayed for you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I've prayed for you. I've interceded for you. And I'm telling you, Jesus intercedes for us. The Spirit of God strengthens and intercedes for us. He works in our lives so we have this powerful intercession. And then verse 35, He loves us. He loves us. And here is where I really want to get to the portion on, we are more than conquerors through Him. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he begins with a list here of all these things. Shall tribulation... And I'm just going to highlight a couple of these words and maybe go through the rest. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Folks, I'm telling you, uh, one of the, there's no trial that's too great to separate you from His love. Amen. In other words, you cannot get in a place to where you're out of the reach of God's love. The Bible says He's loved you with an everlasting love. I'm saying that because are, are there ever times in your life where you don't feel very loved? Amen. You don't feel very loved. You feel forsaken, you feel alone, you feel uh, all these uh, feelings and emotions, uh, and they are very real, aren't they? But the fact is, we can, there's nothing that can truly separate us from His love. Amen. See, we have such a misunderstanding about what love is. We talk about, pe- people today talk about falling in and out of love, and I, I loved them for a little while, and then I don't love them anymore. Folks, that's not what love is. Love is commitment. Love is not always mushy. Love is not always sentimental. Folks, love is commitment. Uh, Love is sticking with it. And I'm telling you what, God's love is an agape love. It's a love that loves without expecting anything in return. Which is good news because I don't have a lot to return a lot of the times. How about you? There's a lot of times to where, I mean, it doesn't really reciprocate. God has poured all this love out for me, and I'm not really re- giving that love back in return. And if God turned around and said, Well, you know what? If He's not going to do for me, I'm not doing for Him anymore. If He's not going to show me love anymore, I'm not showing Him love. Uh, you know, I'm glad He does have that immature way that we do things, right? Well, I'm not talking to Him anymore. I'll show them. No, God's not that way. He just keeps on loving, He just keeps on loving us. It's an everlasting love. And so He loves us. There's nothing that can separate us from the love. We've got to understand, of course, to begin with, shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, He goes on. This does not mean that God shelters us from all the difficulties of life. Because here's one of the interesting things I thought about when I was studying this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can separate us. No one can separate us from the love of Christ, even, your, even you yourself. Nothing can separate us. No one can separate us from His love. But I'll tell you one thing, the tribulations, the, the, the distress, the persecution, famines, nakedness, and on down the line we go, guess what? They do separate some things from us. They do separate us from some things. In other words, tribulation is a good example of that. Tribulation, the word, it's, it's pretty cool when you look at it, In the, uh, the, the Greek word uh, for tribulation, uh, and I just got way ahead of myself here, but uh, the, the Greek word for tribulation talked about extreme pressure. It talks about pressure. But by the time it was put over into the Latin, it had extended beyond pressure, and it carried the idea it was used to explain and to, to describe the threshing of wheat. The threshing of wheat, and in the threshing of wheat, folks, it's it's a it's a fairly rough process. But as as the wheat is going through this process, see the wheat's all together. But as it's uh, threshed, it separates the stuff that's no good from the stuff that is good. The hard outer shell, some of the inner things that aren't worth eating, and when what and what is left behind is the wheat. It's the fruit. And so, guess what? All those things are separated. So well, guess what? Tribulation, persecution, the principalities, the powers, all those things help separate some things from our lives. But I want you to know something. That's not always. That's not a very pleasant experience. There's nothing about the word tribulation that sounds like a pleasant experience. These things aren't pleasant experience. The, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is writing. Uh, uh, he, he's writing these words, he, or many of the words that he wrote in the Word of God, he wrote from prison. He wrote while being through tribulation and distress and all these other things. See, they do separate some things for us. And it's not always a pleasant experience. And so, uh, whether it's uh, the threshing or whether it's the pressure. But I thought this was pretty interesting because God is working something. Um, I think diamonds are very beautiful. Diamonds are very valuable. But diamonds are formed under extreme pressure and extreme heat. Diamonds are simply crystals of pure carbon that are formed under extreme pressure. And I I thought this was pretty interesting. When you study about diamonds, there's what's called a stability zone for the the formation of diamonds. There's a certain uh, place in the earth's crust where diamonds could be formed. Anything a, a little bit above that, anything below that, it would just be carbon. But the pressure is just right in this stability zone. And I'm telling you, there's times in your life to where you do not feel like you're in the stability zone. But I'll promise you one thing. My God always knows and has us in the stability zone. And yes, there's a lot of extreme pressure in the stability zone. There's a lot of heat in that stability zone. But uh, it's still there and it's forming something beautiful. It's forming something valuable. And I want you to understand something. Jesus did not go through all the trouble of saving your soul and shedding His life's blood for you so that He could just crush you under the pressure and just allow, allow this world and allow sin and allow Satan to run roughshod over your life. He did not invest His life's blood in you. Jesus Jesus didn't invest His life's blood. God the Father did not give His only begotten Son just so He could allow you to be shaken and destroyed by the circumstances of this life. No, there's a stability zone. There's a place that's not a pleasant place, but it's still a place where God is working and forming uh, the, the work there. So no matter what it is we face, whether it's the tribulation, shall tribulation or distress or persecution. And by the way, Paul said many times we're under distress. Um, matter of fact, uh, in, uh, in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, here, I love this passage. Listen to this. He says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, yet, but but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We could preach for two weeks just on that passage. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8-11. through But they go really well with the verses that we looked at because notice what he goes on to say here. He goes on to talk about persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. By the the way, I just want to say something about persecution. May God help us not to forget our persecuted brothers and sisters. I guess you could say we face certain levels of persecution in the United States, but I'm telling you uh, that it's still estimated that I think about 100,000, 100,000 Christians are killed for their faith every year, Uh, and that there's been more, I mean, you you read about the millions that were killed leading up to the 20th century, but folks, there's been more uh, Christians killed uh, since the 20th century than before the 20th century. Killed, persecuted, imprisoned uh, by the millions. Uh, and that's still happening today. Uh, and, and, and so we need to remember that and remember those. But, but the Bible says here in verse 36, notice what it says. This sounds really weak, doesn't it? This sounds like a weak place to be in. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. I mean, man, that's a pretty low estimation. But see, that's what the Apostle Paul is kind of talking about here. He says that we're always bearing about, this is in 2 Corinthians, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. But notice what happens. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. So in other words, we go through all these difficulties. We go through failures and trials and troubles. And he says in that, we're experiencing the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said but because of that we're able to experience the power of the resurrection of Christ in our lives. And that's why it goes on to say in verse 37 of Romans chapter 8 nay and there's a very important word that follows next. It's just a small two letter word I-N in. And I mentioned this recently but isn't it true nay in all these things. Now there's a couple different planes that people, God's people find themselves on. Number one, if they're going through tribulation, distress, persecution, if they're fighting with the powers and the principalities and so forth that are listed here uh, that come uh, after verse 37, they just say, man, I, I'm, just, I'm not conquering. I am defeated. I am beat. So there's a lot of us that can feel that way. But I tell you, there's actually a pretty big a major step of faith when people say, you know what? I'm going through a lot, but in spite of all this, in spite of it, you know what? I'm still going to conquer. I'm still going to serve. But see, the Bible does not say in spite of these things. He says in all these things. See, and that's another level that God would have us to be on. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And so He's introducing us there to that love again. Uh, I want to emphasize just here for a moment as I'm trying to emphasize the more than conquerors uh, emphasis in this message. More than conquerors is an interesting word. Uh, It's actually more than conquerors that phrase comes from one Greek word, one Greek compound word, and it's huber uh, or hooper uh, nikeos, hooper nikeo. That and that one Greek word, and it's going to be important in just a second. Hooper nikeo, uh, that is more than conquers. Now, nikeo may sound familiar to some extent. That was there was a Greek goddess, uh, false god named Nike. And of course, uh, that word Nike or or Nikos, Nikos appears four times in the New Testament. For instance, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 54, it says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Nikos. Also in verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Nikos, the victory. So that's a noun for victory. But more frequently, more frequently than the, the noun Nikos is the verb Nikeo. Nikeo, which appears 26 times in the New Testament. It appears as overcome, to overcome, to prevail, or to conquer. So we run across this word Nikeo, so a number of times. Overcoming, prevailing, conquering. I like to conquer. Hey, does anybody in here like to win? Does anybody love to win? Does anybody think there's no excuse, and no alternative to winning? Um, and I know I've got a couple of those in my family. Believe me, play a board game with them. Or any game for that matter. It's like we're trying to have fun here. No fun. No, we're we're winning. I mean, we're not. What are you talking about fun? This is no fun. It's winning. And it's all the better if somebody's crying when it's all said and done. You know. (laughs) I got to share with you this boy right here and his competitiveness, Uh, because I'm competitive. And I thought I was really competitive until I started playing games with my wife, uh, and she don't play. And then I thought I still thought I was pretty content- competitive until I started playing games with my son. And and so we're playing uh, a Ticket to Ride, this this board game, really fun. And uh, you got to have certain there's like five or six different colors that you got to get of these cards and whatnot. And uh, well, I made a mistake as we was playing this game. I was waiting on a certain color. We'll just say orange. And man, this color was not coming around at all. Uh, and I really. Needed. I'm like, come on, come on. And so finally, man, there was an orange that flipped over. And I'm like, yes. I said it out loud. <laughs> Evan's turn was next before my turn. Evan, he doesn't even break eye contact with me, Dan Kiel. And here's what he does.
1: Uh,
0: Evan. D- Did you need orange? No. (laughs) Why'd you take the orange? Because I know you needed the orange. (laughs) And and I fussed at him a little bit more after that. But I commend him for that, right? I mean, that's great. Uh, But that's how they play, amen? It's like like Nicaea, I mean, he likes to conquer. He likes to win. And so I like to win. And I like being a winner. I really do. And I hope that you do, because the Bible says that it uses that word nikeo for to overcome, to prevail, or to, to, to conquer. But only once in all of the Bible is the word used in verse 37 that I just shared with you, uh, more than conquers, that hooper nikeo. And it means this it means, so, so the, 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 the Greek prefix hooper means over, it means of more. It's kin to the Latin prefix super. Kind of sounds the same, hooper and super. Uh, It's it's like the word super. In German, it's the word uber. So we're super conquerors. We are uber conquerors. He's saying there. Uh, we're, We're super conquerors. We're uber conquerors. And so... That means over, it means super, it means uh, beyond anything. In other words, this just isn't winning, this is rubbing your face in it. This is, I'm up 20 points, but I'm still dunking the basketball on your face and your head. If it's lowered to 6 feet, okay? This means that, yeah, I may be up uh, 10 runs in the ninth inning, but I'm still going to try to hit it out of the park. This means, yes, I'm winning the game by three or four touchdowns, but I'm still going to run you up, and I'm still going to drop that bomb in the end zone. You said, I don't like people running up the score. Well, you know what? I can understand that, and that can be debated, especially if it's on you or your team, right? but but here's the thing. I want you to understand something. What, what the Bible's saying here and I, is that we are super conquerors. We are more than conquerors. In other words, each one of us, he's saying, and I'm going to t- t- change the word Uber to super because it's the same thing. We, we are super Nicaea. And so we need to learn that name because he says that, God says that's who you are. He said we are super Nicaea. You are Super Nikea. And, he, and so you say, How does that come into play? Well, it comes into play like this a trial comes into my life. A trial tries to introduce itself into my life. And I can introduce myself to that trial by saying, Nice to meet you, trial. My name is Super Nikea. Yeah. I, am, I am an uber conqueror. I am a super conqueror. Uh, now, you say, Wait a second. The verse before that just said, We're killed and we're slaughtered. And, we're, and it's, 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 a, it's a paradox. Because of our weakness. Because of our frailty. Because of what the Bible calls our infirmities. But folks, what we need to understand that is in our infirmities, in our weakness, folks, we are super Nicaea. We are more than conquerors. Why? Because God does not come to us and say, you better be strong. No, God comes to us and He's just waiting. When are you going to figure out you're weak? When are you going to figure this out? When are you going to figure out that your flesh is still wicked?
1: Amen. There,
0: I'm telling you, man, it's a sad thing that there's a lot of Christians that try so hard to make their flesh become perfect instead of understanding and admitting that it is not perfect. It is still the same stuff out of Romans chapter 7 that he talked about. But he says, in that I'm a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. I didn't just win by a run. I won by a landslide. And so, uh, listen, super-Nikea. I mean, uh, super-Nikea. Greater than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. It means to be preeminently, victoriously. It means to gain or surpass victory. There's a few things and and ideas that goes along with this thing of being super-Nikea. Which you are. If you're saved by God's grace, God says you are super Nicaea. You are more than a conqueror. And there's a couple things about this type of victory, this type of conqueror. Number one is what I've said already the victory is overwhelming. The victory is overwhelming. It's a laugher, as some would say in sports. It's a landslide. In 1984, President Ronald Reagan won 49 out of the 50 states. It's a landslide. It's not even fair. Did you know that? The tribulation, the peril, the persecution. It's not because of us, because these things are real and these things are hard. But what God is saying, because of what I can do in you, because of what I have done through you and will do through you, it's not even fair. This trial has nothing. Satan and all of his demons have nothing on us. You say, yeah, but man, I feel like I've been beaten and, and I feel like I've been stomped down in the mud. I feel like I've been stomped down and ran over three and four times and backed over one more time for good measure. And maybe you have. Yeah. But the reason you're super is because God says, all right, up you go. And we just keep on coming. You know, it's kind of like the old saying that says it's not the, the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. I mean, it, it, it's just the fact that God gives us something to keep on going. I mean, it's, it's the fact that you're here today. It's a shame for some of us that we're here today and we don't recognize that we're super Nicaea. I mean, there's some of us that have been saved for years and years. And we've seen God do it over and over and over again. And honestly, the fact that we're here today is evidence of who we are. Right. But if we're not careful, we don't recognize who we are. We're super Nicaea. I mean, it's a landslide. It's a blowout. And that's exactly... You are not a loser today. Amen. That's right. You may have lost, but you're not a loser. The game's not over. Amen? Right. You're super Nicaea. You will be victorious. You will be victorious and you are victorious. And so part of this supernikaya carries the idea of an overwhelming victory. The other part has to do with the size of the spoil. In other words, the amount of the prize. Not only have I won, not only has it been a landslide, not only is it a blowout, but also, uh, and I can't help but just get a picture of the, by, that by the grace of God of just just plowing Satan over. I mean, I, I don't know why this comes to mind, but I remember uh, back, uh, and forgive my sports analogies for those of you that don't follow sports, uh, but I just relate to them. But I, I can remember when uh, Brian Bosworth was talking a lot of junk about playing Bo Jackson, you know. And uh, and I remember Brian Bosworth coming, man, and he was going to wrap Bo Jackson up. And I'm telling you what, Bo, I mean Brian Bosworth just was road kid after Bo Jackson ran through him and just left him laying flat on his back on the field. And now, just, whatever side of that you're on, I'm just saying I love getting the picture in my mind and imagining that being how God does with Satan. I mean, here I come, big and scary, and, and, and by the help and grace of God, with God working in me, just boom, plowing over and there I go. Amen. And I win. And I, and, and I score. And, and I'm telling you, that's what God does. We're more than conquerors. Yeah, we're cast down. But we're not in despair. We're, 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 we're pray- we are we're go through all these things and they're very real. And I never want to minimalize any of those things. But all I want to say is my God is greater. Yes. And God, because of God being greater in our lives, that means we're greater. Not in and of ourselves, but because of Him and Christ and all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Amen. And so, supernikayo has to do with being an overwhelming victory. It has to do with the size or the prize. Folks, our riches are unsearchable. But another component of the victory, and I guess I've already alluded to this, but is that He's the one that secured the victory, really. He's the one that secured the victory. Uh, there's a, a game the kids play, and, and you're trying to get eliminations in this game. And, uh, man, you're, you're, you're shooting an opponent, and you're just like, oh, about got him. Somebody comes in and fires one shot, and they get the elimination instead of you. They stole it and you like, man, I'm the one that did all the work. But they're the ones that get the, get the credit for it. It reminds me a little bit, uh, man, I, 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 I am blessed to live in a house of some great, great cooks. My girls can cook, man. And, uh, and, and that's probably not even politically correct to even say that, is it? People are stupid. I'm glad I'm not politically correct, amen. Uh, but my girls can cook, man. And, so, and one reason why is that my wife can cook. She's a great cook. And then so from the time my girls are small, man, my, they're, they're in there learning how to cook. But I love this idea because Nikeo carries the idea of an overwhelming victory. It carries the idea of great spoil. But it carries the idea that somebody else really did most of the work. And what it reminds me of is just say, just imagine one of the girls being, uh, I don't know, five, six years old and in there helping mom with uh, the sweet tater uh, casserole. And if if you ever come to our house and we have it, please don't eat it. It's no good. (laughs) All right? Um... But I, and I, I tell you, I say this every Thanksgiving, but I can eat my weight in sweet taters. I really can. And uh, I love sweet taters. All right. But, but, but man, I mean, but in this particular recipe, you got to grade the sweet potatoes. You got to, I mean, it, there's, there's work that goes into this. And man, is it good. Uh, we got just a little bit left. Hope I can get it when I get home. But anyway, but it reminds me of this. She gets one of the kids in there and maybe they put a little bit of, You know, one ingredient in there. And they're in there. Maybe they get all dirty and everything. But in the end, Mom's really the one that had the know-how, did all the work. But then when we sit down, hey, Dad, I made the sweet tater casserole. He says, a sweet potato? No, that's not near as good as sweet tater casserole. There is a difference, all right? Uh, And, and, hey, Dad, I made the sweet tater casserole. Well, thank you, dear. Well, she didn't really make it. She just kind of helped out a little bit. Mom was the one that did the work. And that's another thing of this. Man, it's not us. We learn that through all these things that we face. We learn that. But we also can learn something else. We're super Nikea Why? Because He's done the work. He gives the victory. It's not about you. You say, I'm not very strong. Guess what? It doesn't matter because through God's grace you are. He says, in my, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And, and again, it's a remarkable paradox because guess what? We do fail, don't we? We do get discouraged. We are sometimes slaughtered like sheep. However, His strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, super Nicaea. How about death? He talks about death here. For I am persuaded in verse 38, I am persuaded that neither death Well, can death separate us from His love? No, it ushers us into His very presence. How about life? No, life cannot. The angels. And when it says principalities or powers here, that's talking about satanic forces. Principalities and powers. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have security. There's nothing that you're we face things on a daily basis that are greater than we are. But you will never come up again. Notice it said any other creature. You know what that creature means? It speaks of something that's been created. Folks, there's nothing that's been created that's greater than the creator. And you there we face things all the time that's bigger than we are. But you are not ever going to face anything that's bigger than God is. Amen. Let's all stand. And Sonia, if you'd come play on the piano. Super Nikea. That's who you are. Super Nikea. Evan, you ought to name your son Super Nikea. God blesses you with a son one day. Super Nikea. It reminds me of old David. Little David. Classic story, isn't it? He goes out, man. uh, Somebody said before that if you want to be the big cheese, you've got to be willing to carry the cheese. He was taking cheese out to his brothers that were out there on the battlefield. Well, it's supposed to be a battlefield. David got out there, and here comes big old nine-foot-something Goliath. Running his mouth, cursing, blaspheming God. And every time he came out, man, they'd they'd run for cover. And David says, wait a second. Did y'all hear what he just said? He's defying God. He's defying the armies of the living God. And he says, is there not a cause? David did not think that he could take on Goliath in and of himself. But he knew that God would give him the strength. You know why? Because I want to say this, child of God. He had already had to fight off a bear before to protect his sheep. He had already had to fight off a lion. Now they weren't as big and bad as Goliath and as, as armored and as intimidating and imposing as Goliath perhaps. But here's what I'm saying. He understood that God gave him the strength. He understood that God made him super-Nikeo against those opponents. Child of God, please don't forget. God's, have you not slain some bears in your life? Have you not already slain some lions? Has God not already given you some victories? Yes, this one is more imposing. This one is, it looks greater than any you've ever faced. But remember... You didn't get those other victories on your own. And you're not going to get this victory on your own. Amen? Amen. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. You're super Nikeo. Don't live like a loser because you're not a loser. You're a winner. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God, for this truth. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your mercy and your grace, Lord. God, there's times I'm beaten. There's times I'm beaten down, I mean face in the mud. I don't look much like a conqueror then, Lord. But when you lift me up and you bring me up and you set my feet on the rock and you establish my goings, Lord, you're not just getting us by. Lord, you're letting it be a runaway. Help us to claim and grab hold of these promises. If there's anybody here today and you don't know the Lord, I wish you'd come to the Lord today. If you are saved, maybe you need God to do a miracle in your life. Maybe you're facing a great, great giant that you've never faced before. A problem that is so much greater than you, you don't even know how in the world. Hey, you're super Nicaea. God can give the victory. God will give the victory. Oh, I wish God would take these things away. No, it's even in these things that He's given you the victory. Lord, we love You today. We bless Your precious name. May the truth of this passage, dear God, be an encouragement and not a discouragement. Oh, it's not to make light of anything that we face or go through. Because it is very, very, very real. But Lord, we're claiming victory one more time, Lord. We're claiming that victory one more time. Believe in You one more time that You'll come through, Lord.